Hello, and thank you for joining the Escaping the Cave podcast on the ChristopherMedia.net network. I'm your host, Serge. (laughs) Joined by the peanut gallery, Chris from the ChristopherMedia.net network. Hello, Chris. Hello. Wait for the piano. And also joined by Rich of Glad uh, Mellow Greetings, fellow citizens. <laughs> Don't forget to check out the ChristopherMedia.net website for all your podcast needs at EscapingTheCave.com as well. So, when last we talked together, we were discussing these bastard children ruining society. I can't do it. I cannot get angry with this music, guys. <laughs> I figure right about now you should start raining blood. Oh, it's picking up. Now I can get mad. Yeah, fucking kids. Uh, uh. It's like I'm on Prozac now. I'm not mad anymore. You're just disappointed. This is what we call the throwing shit at the wall phase of the podcast, boys and girls. We're just jacking around with creative elements here, trying to do new things. I've got two new voices on the podcast. I'm kind of getting sick of my own intro. <sighs> now I'm completely are you getting kind of sick. Of, are you kind? Are you getting kind of sick of guys named Todd? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting kind of sick of getting kind of sick of guys named Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Some down that line. Anyway, yeah. That's, last that's, that's so that's so meta. It just folded itself in half and blew itself. Holy yes, it shit did. So last time we were together, <clears throat> which was to us about ten minutes ago, but you are in the uh, the quantum realm of time here. To you, this was probably a day or two ago, but to us, it was only ten minutes ago. We were talking about um, children. And how society has sort of uh, placed kids on a pedestal. I think the anecdote you used before we went out and grabbed our coffee and cigarettes, Rich, was that uh, kids are being told, their parents are being told that when kids come home from school with instructions for their parents about how to save the world, that the parents should listen to them because the children are the future. Does that pretty much characterize it properly? Yep. And does, Yep, because it, it, the future belongs to the children, so who... Parents have no right to mess it up for them. Gotcha. Does anybody agree with any of that? No. (laughs) I wouldn't go so far as to say we have a right to mess up their future, but I will say that I think it's pretty sad that people who have, through life experience, earned the right to at least have their voice heard, their opinion taken into consideration, are now considered irrelevant because... They're over what? I mean, you can't even say 30 anymore. I'd say 25. Basically, if you're out of college, you're irrelevant. You ever get the, the sense that history's repeating itself? And we're like back in, like I don't know, 1966. We're back to don't trust anyone over 30? Yeah. No, I, I absolutely get that sense, and there's a reason why. And, it's and you know, yes, I am going to stereotype a generation, and I'm speaking in generalities. If you can't deal with it, then I suggest you go, I don't know, eat a bag of baby dicks. I don't give a fuck. I'm really, really sick of young people 
disregarding anything that happened before they can remember it. And this is something that we've come back to a, a few times in Unregimented. And depending on what host is talking about it, we all have, you know, feel various ways about it. I, for one, don't hold to the everything sacred comes from youth idea of, you know, or, or, or I don't, that's not, that's not my belief. So I will listen to a young person. They could probably have a perspective that I don't have because of where they've come from in life. But that doesn't mean that what they say somehow carries more weight than people who have 50, 60 years of experience who could be complete assholes. And that's, that's, that seems to be the thing they come to. This seems to be, there's, there's a few common threads in this. One, disregard for history, disregard for anything that happened before they can remember it. And the minute somebody says one thing you don't agree with, you, you just completely disregard them and dismiss them out of hand from every, that point every, on. Everything they've ever done, everything they've ever said in total is gone because you found one thing that offends your sensibilities. Yes. A, a person who comes to mind that I constantly hear this type of attitude directed to who's in the public eye is Joe Rogan. I hear this constantly from younger people. Well, Joe Rogan is, you know, he has Nazis on his program and he has right wingers on his program and he gives them a platform to talk. And that is just ridiculous. And I can't listen to anything the man says because he had Milo Yiannopoulos on. I'm like, yeah, but when he had Abby Martin on, he didn't say anything. And she's to the left of fucking Stalin. So what are we talking about here? Okay. If you don't like the man, you don't like his program, fine, say that. But to try to paint it is because he has people on that you don't agree with and he actually engages them in conversation instead of just sit there and attack them and set them up for snarky ass little remarks. To me, just shows the, the willful ignorance of a lot of young people these days. They're probably the same type of people that discount Bill Maher because he dares have somebody from the opposition on his show. Absolutely. Bill Maher is another one. Or he'll criticize the woke flake crowd. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've, oh, seen, yeah. I've seen a lot of that, especially over on the Twitter, where he'll be trending like after his show. And every now and then, uh, most of the comments, the reason he's trending is because he's got these these radical fringe cult members, the, the Jonestowners over there on the left, who are just basting him because he went against, he said something blasphemous on his program, something that wasn't woke enough. And now he's a traitor. Now he's a he's a Nazi sympathizer. Or yeah, he had somebody who they find distasteful and unacceptable on his program, giving them a platform. How is this not authoritarianism? It absolutely is. It is, yeah. But the, you have to remember, like people like, and yeah, okay, fuck it. My brother, people his age, they didn't grow up with the Christian right doing what the the SVEWs do now. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't understand what it's like to hear oppression from the right about, you can't do this because Jesus, you can't do this because God, you can't do, you know, we need to ban rock music. You get, yeah, he didn't have to live through the PMRC. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we're trying to ban video games because they make people kill people, you know, and the Jack Thompson bullshit. So he, doesn't see it as, as, as a bad thing when it comes from his side because he's never experienced it coming from the side he disagrees with. Because you have to remember, he was born in 92. So you get, I'll, I'll give him till 2000. I'll give him a mulligan because I, very rarely are you going to meet someone 
between birth and the age of eight who's going to be politically, you know, plugged in and aware. So he grew up with what? Eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama, who, to his credit, to his credit, he's like, Obama wasn't all that liberal. Are you serious? He's more of a centrist than anything. He's like, what are these Republicans talking about? He's some sort of commie socialist. Really? And I'm like, eh, yeah, you're right. He deported more kids than Trump, Dropped, had more drone strikes than any other president in history so far, including Trump at this point. Yeah, you know, that, that's not too progressive if you're, if you're coming from the far left. And now he's got Trump. So all he's ever experienced is, in his mind, is hard-line hard right-wingers and wishy-washy centrists. And them crying about how they need to drag the country farther to the right. And I'm like, you have no idea what the 80s were like, do you? <laughs> you have no idea what the early 90s were like, do you? Musicians were threatened with being thrown in jail for playing a song. And this happened in your lifetime. You just don't remember it because you were a newborn. And he can't. And he, he goes, hey, yeah, but that was so long ago. No, it wasn't. 25 years may be a long time to someone who's 27. Oh, it's, a, it's an but eternity, it, man. It's a drop from a fucking eyedropper in the ocean in the grand scheme of things it is nothing and just like you know he didn't grow up with the cold war he wasn't raised with that same indoctrination that we were that you know communism bad america you know good these are our enemies mm -hmm. so he doesn't have that he grew, the, the the one thing that shaped him he he said this in so many words i'm paraphrasing the most was the great recession the 2008 stock stock market crash and the housing bubble crash or pop. Well, when he was 15. Yeah. How old was he? He was, yeah, he was, no, he was in 2008. He was 16, 17. And that's the thing that shaped him. His opinion about a lot of things. Yeah. Because he watched his mom almost lose her house. Her job, her have to take less money and take on more work to keep her job. He start, He went to go into a job force that was not like he had seen all his life. And in his mind, he's like, you know, this is what happens when you let capitalism run amok. When it's all about the bottom line, making making a dollar. And you, you, want to dollar see the other, you want to see the other side? You'll, you'll probably like this one better. That's what I try to explain to him. Like, you, you've literally experienced a, a sliver of life being politically and, and socially aware that's it. Just a tiny sliver. You haven't traveled anywhere. He's, he, he took he took like a six month trip around the country and visited friends around the country driving in a car. And it's like, okay, so on average, he's more well-traveled than pe most people his age and his, in his group of friends. But what did he do? He drove to some, some place where he knew people and he stayed at their house for a few days and then moved on. That's not, that's not living off the land or getting with the common people. It doesn't make them studs turkle or anything. And, 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 and according to you, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to share actual figures, but haven't you told us stories about he had at one time at a very young age, more disposable income available to him than probably any of us ever had. He was nine when my dad died. And if you have a minor child, when you die, that child gets what, up to that point in the parent's life, they would have gotten in social security every month until they're 21, I believe, plus whatever insurance that was that dad had. I'm not going to go into numbers because it's no one's business, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he had some money. 
but you know, the recession. Well, I mean, it's, I, this is where I'm like, okay, I can understand why you have the outlook you do because that's the first major thing as he, as he became politically and socially aware, that's the first major incident that happened. You know, when nine 11 happened, he was eight, he was eight or nine. What would ours have been? I'm trying to, I, I, this actually makes a, a degree of sense because he was at a formative age. And if he saw think, something, you know, personal and close to him and experienced it through, even through his mother, he lived with his mom, losing the job and all that. Yeah, it's just, just him and his mom. Just I mean, him that, and his everybody, mom. Yeah. I mean, you know, she never remarried after her and dad got divorced. And me and uh, my sister, you know, we had left home a long time ago. He was 15. I was 15 when he was born. So I only, you know, spent a few years with him. Gotcha. Before I moved out. So it was just literally him and his mom. So he was very privy to that information because they, you know, they have a close relationship. Oh, yeah. They have a very oh, yeah. close relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, the first thing that, that, that I remember, I don't know if it's a defining moment, but the first big moment was the first Gulf War. I remember that and being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring that up. Because Saddam was talking 10 miles of shit. This will be the war to end all wars and all this. And I'm just like, oh, man, like. <sighs> my fa- and all my family in the military are like, get the fuck out of here. And it's like the Bill Hicks said, you know, Iraq has the fifth largest army in the world. Yeah, well, there's a huge drop off between one and two. <laughs> and we're one. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, and honestly, we rolled even in the second Iraq war, we rolled over Saddam's army. It was guerrilla fighters and, and, and people coming in to use terror tactics that really put the dent in our people. They were the insurgents. Yeah, Saddam's army, those motherfuckers were taking off their underwear because they were white to wave them and be like, please, please, don't shoot, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially once the word got out that Saddam basically just turned tail and ran and was living in in hiding. Once that come out, okay, well, there's nothing to fear from him. There's no reason to fight. But but then I don't, just because I understand that something like that maybe left a mark on him. How can you dismiss everything that came before? If you consider yourself a student of history, how can you look at history and deny the reality of we went from the far right being the ones who are against freedom of speech, who are against anything they don't like and wanting to shut it down immediately to now the far left is doing it. And it all goes back to what you said, Todd, about, about propaganda. He's, he's given up his own thoughts and replaced them with the group think. He, he thinks that he's on the side of the angels, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that his, God's on his, his fight, side. Righteous one. Yeah, God yeah. is on his side. Metaphorical, ideological God. You can look at it any way you want. Yeah. And I've told him multiple times when I, when I talk to him, and I'm like, you know, hey, look, everybody that I bring up, you shit on. I brought up in passing something about, oh, shit. Clean your room guy. Come on, Todd. You read his book. Jordan Peterson. Thank you. Just in passing. And two weeks later, he sent me a fucking dissertation tearing this guy down about points that I never brought up. And I said, did you think this is like an, I'm like, I idolize this guy. Did he read the guy? No, he just read criticism of him. So he's just, he's basically recite. He's a propaganda farting flesh bot. He doesn't have any context. He has no personal knowledge of the man's material whatsoever. He didn't take the time to sit down and read it, to process it. I'll bet you he didn't watch any of Jordan Peterson's videos on Jordan Peterson. But somehow he's, he's, he's confident enough 
And he feels like he is educated and aware enough to send you what you would term a, I, obviously you're kidding, but a dissertation on the man. Yeah. And that's and I, I perfectly have... acceptable in today's society. That is, that is, <laughs> that is how you de- apparently debate in today's society. That and do not ever attack the, the argument, attack the person delivering the argument. And the best, the best ammo to get is to creep on their Facebook page or their social media page and use personal information from that page to attack them with. Right. And I'm like, dude, you're not, you're not. And, you know, I tell like he's, he catches bands and he just got off another band on Facebook from, for saying something completely outlandish to somebody he got into a disagreement with. And I'm like, so just like we said, you know, a couple shows ago. Did you change anybody's mind? No. Do you feel better? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I guess at least something <laughs> came out of it for you. Right. Because I mean, ultimately I told him, I said, you're looking for the perfect person who's never said the wrong thing, who's never had an unwoke moment, who's never been on the wrong side of history. You are searching for a Jesus figure without the religion behind them. No one is perfect. You dig into anybody's history deep and long enough, you're going to find something distasteful that you don't like. Period. End of story. All right? Chris, you've said this plenty of times when we've talked about, you know, growing up, you you, you know, you were a huge John Lennon fan, and then you found out, well, he was a piece of shit in a lot of ways. Uh-oh. We lose you I'm again. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. Uh we need to ping I mean, him every now and then. Hello, McFly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, my question is: Does that mean that y- you just dismiss everything he's ever he ever did that you liked? Because oh. you found out he, you know, he was a shitty wow. father or a shitty husband. Art from the artist. Yeah, this comes back. I think to uh, it comes back to attachment. Too closely identifying like your your own personal mm, sense of self. With either a person, an ideology, a religion, is some set of some way of looking at the world, some way to compartmentalize and stereotype the world, for lack of a better term. And anything that runs counter to that, anything that runs counter to the scripture and to the religion, essentially, is going to be met with. It's not meant to be refuted. It's meant to be destroyed. This isn't a battle of ideas. It's a battle for essentially control. Nobody's having discourse. I don't think, very, very few people anyway, I think, are having any kind of discourse about the better path for the country. What they're having discourse about, and it's not discourse, it's argumentation. What they're arguing about is who is going to control the country. I would go so far to say that they don't care about the better path for the country. They just care about the better path for themselves. And drum roll, please being right. Well, it's not even that people don't give a shit about being right, dude. I, I I've come to this conclusion a long time ago. They think they're being, they're interested in being right. They're more interested in looking right, appearing right. And not either, either, the, either to their own little crowd, their own little congregation, or to themselves. Appearing right, without any connection to the facts, reality, about being right at all. It's about feeling like you're right, appearing to be right to your fans, whoever happens to be watching that day. This, this is Jonathan Haidt at its height. <laughs> that was clever as fuck. 
but that's exactly, that's exactly what this is. An emotive conclusion, an emotive conclusion, a judgment, an entire ideology, an entire Weltauschung or whatever it is, whatever that German word is for worldview. You adopt the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker, because now you don't have to think. Now you don't have to go through the mental process of taking in information, evaluating it with that very, very handy-dandy and powerful but goddamn inconvenient thing called critical thought. Your own critical thought. You don't have to do that anymore. You're free. You have all the ideas. You've got God's grand design. God is speaking through you. God has come inside you. (laughs) How rude. Did he announce that he was coming? No, he just did it. And it felt so warm and good and gooey. (laughs) That's what it is, man. I I will say this. Okay, I, I... I no longer engage in political debate or philosophical debate with my brother thinking anything is going to come of it as far as him even saying, oh, I've never looked at it that way. Because it's he's not built that way. Okay, maybe as he gets older, he'll, he'll develop that. Maybe he won't. That's his. That's for him to deal with. All right. Some people just can't, can't say, oh, shit, I've been narrow-minded in my viewpoint it's just not in them for to them that's they rather die than than, than say that most people but i, I think say, most people are like that actually if they have to announce it publicly if they're gonna they have to say that yeah i think most people are like that uh, then i guess i'm the aberrant one here because i've shit i've said it on so many sh- of these fucking podcasts, I can't even count. <laughs> I've ran out of fingers and toes and dicks and balls. I can't, there's a, I'm counting limbs and I'm still running out of shit to count with. So yeah, I, but I, I will say this. He, he does, he has a searcher mentality. He's looking for something. I don't know if even he could define it or if he could define it. Now the definition would be the same six months from now. And his definition was the same six months, you know, before right now. But I, I do think it comes from a righteous place. He's, he's trying to figure out some sort of universal truth, universal justice. And the thing I keep telling him is, I just want you to understand, unless you stumble upon something that nobody has ever stumbled upon in the history of human beings, you're kind of chasing your own tail, dude. I don't know any true, you know, one true viewpoint that is, completely righteous and above criticism and can never be torn down by people trying to tear it down because that's almost a religious thing you're looking for. If that's what, what you, you're looking for. What do you mean? Almost. Well, because it, he's, it's coming from a secular place for him. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like he would bristle at any type of religious, you know? Yeah. Well, tough shit. It, it's not, he's <laughs> really, to be honest with you, he can bristle all he wants. He's the worst judge and evaluator of whether or not that's a pseudo religious standpoint in psycho- psychology. That is a religious psychology. I don't care if it's yeah, secular literally. or not. It doesn't matter. In fact, it, it, it makes it makes it worse because now you're into the realm of Jonestown. Or you're into the realm of, of political fanaticism. This righteousness, this search for something that gives you a sense of righteousness. Oh, but it's not religion. It's just this 
I don't know, schematic that I want to impose on everybody else because it's right. Do you understand? It's the same goddamn thing. It's Puritanism. Fine, I, I I'm with you. I know you were. I know you're you're with me. I'm I'm not throwing this at you specifically, Rich. <laughs> I know I know you and I see eye to eye on this. But to say that it's not religious just because it's not secular. I've been preaching about ideological religions for a year now. <laughs> it's the same thing. As someone who was tempered and raised in it for almost two decades, when I hear stuff like I, all I hear is religion. That's what I hear. It it comes from that place. And when you do, when I try to explain to him, you sound like the flip side of a religious zealot, the flip side of the same coin, dude. You're saying the same thing religious zealots say, mm-hmm. except for you're you're replacing faith with feelings. I feel this way, so that trumps everything. I have faith in this, so that trumps everything. That's how are they different? And he just goes no, and I'm like okay. There's a point I reach with people when I'm like, then there's no point in having this discussion any further right now. And that's what I tell them. Maybe I should. I'll give you his phone number, Todd. <laughs> He's gonna, if, I, if I did, he'd call me and go, why did some dude named Todd call me? And why was classical music playing in the background the whole time he was talking to me? I'd be like, just be glad the music was playing. Just, you know. I'm going to read one more thing. I I, I know I've read a lot to you guys in these last three episodes. I I have to read one more thing to you. And this religious personality thing, it's in that that outline I sent to you last night, Rich. Yeah. And it is an aspect of being over-propagandized. Because even if you're secular, and he talks about uh, secular societies here. Where is it? Where the fuck is it? Hold on, just listen to the music for a second. Enjoy this. Does sound fucking good, doesn't it? Now oh, there it is. All right, this is Jacques Alouls from 1965, the book Propaganda. I've been talking a little bit about it on the podcast. Perhaps you've heard me mention it a time or two. All right, let's do this in the uh, delicious dish voice. In a society in the process of secularization, propaganda responds to the religious need, but lends much more vigor and intransigence to the resulting religious personality. In the pejorative sense of the term, as liberals employed it in the 19th century, a limited and rigid personality that mechanically applies divine commandments is incapable of engaging in human dialogue. Do you know what dialogue is, boys and girls? It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. (laughs) I must have this louder. The person will also never question values that he himself has placed above the individual. All this is produced by propaganda, which pretends to have lost none of its humanity. Of course, it pretends such things. It will also pretend to act for the good of mankind and to represent the highest type of human being. The evolved man. The righteous man. In this respect, strict orthodoxies will always be the fucking same! (laughs) It wore off. It is a religious personality. It's a religion. It is a religious mindset. It's just without Sky Daddy and the zombie messiah. 
It's instead of that, you've got the external God of holy universal justice looking over your shoulder, my shoulder, everybody's fucking shoulder now. Instead of Jesus watching you masturbate, you've got this God of social justice digging through your Twitter feed. It's the same goddamn thing. It's a grand design meant to explain the world for you, put you in the center of the universe, elevate it on a pedestal because you're the righteous one with God on your fucking side, and it also gives you a convenient enemy of heathens on whom you can impose your holy scripture and the word of Jesus and God, the God of holy social justice. Did I just do a Lewis Black? A little bit. <laughs> That's what it is. There is, please, I, 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 I sometimes feel like I'm going nuts, guys. I swear to God, show me where I'm wrong here. We can't because we're logical thinking people. I've always felt that 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 kind of speech comes, like you said, it's it's a different God. The one side, it's the people who have, I'm using this again, this word, the audacity to where they're essentially saying, I know what's right. You know, it's the God from within. I'm fine with the, the not fine, but the stuff that comes from the right, great. I know where it's coming from. Yay, yay, Jesus, pray. But the people where it just, it comes from within and they're the righteous ones. They're the ones that are going to tell you what. Where the fuck does that come from? Who are you? Yeah, and what you're, what you're doing here, and this is, you've actually indirectly, obliquely struck on a major, major, major problem with all this because you can condemn religion all you want to, like traditional religion. I've been right there with you. Well, a lot of our early social media years were right there, beating on the same drum, right? The problem is, is that with secularization, what you've done is we've talked about narratives. You've talked about a national narrative before. There's also a human narrative. Because people are not that smart. We don't know a lot yet. We're not very evolved. We don't understand a lot of things about the world, about ourselves, about anything. We need a story to explain things, to take away, to give us a get-out-of-death-free card so we're not sitting here bound up in anxiety over our own mortality. That's the convenient thing uh, of religion. And it also externalizes externalizes the source of good. And it also gives us the humility to understand that we're fucked up. We're flawed. We need work. We don't have the audacity of arrogance to presume ourselves to be God. To, be, to presume ourselves to be in a position to act like God, to judge like God. Because, at least with religion, at least most religion, decent religions, the perspective is of a, a flawed, fallen human being who has to atone for his sins to get to heaven. In other words, you're fucked up. Work on yourself. When you take that away, the flip side of this is, is that with the, 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 the sort of the reformation and the, the, the dawning of the age of tearing down the gods the last few hundred years. We've replaced it with humanism. Humanism has replaced God with us. We are God when it comes to the humanist religion, and it is a religion. 
that man is good, man is righteous. All he has to do is be shown the path, and man is perfect. God on earth, heaven on earth, we're all God. What's more arrogant than to say that you are God? I don't care if you're saying we are God. That's an indirect way of saying I am God or I am part of God. Well, if I'm part of God, I'm God. That's the problem here. And that, to answer your question, Chris, where does that come from? Where does that sense of righteousness come from? Right there. Stick your finger in that dark little green-crusted hole and see what comes out. That's where it comes from. And this God of social justice shit is like the Holy Spirit or something. I don't know. You're the, you're the religious guy. Give me, a, give me a, one of the, the triumphant figures. <laughs> to go with God, uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the holy. This is the holy fucking spirit, the Holy Spirit of social justice. It's an external thing. It's an external thing, but it but runs in conjunction and is related to the God within the progressive soul. Does this make sense? Yep. And there's a lot of turning a blind eye to the reality of the master you're serving because ultimately, I mean, what we're talking about here is these people that consider themselves progressive and we're doing this for the betterment of mankind. It's the same thing. Any religious zealot feels about their religion. You know, you, you ask someone who is a self about, I'm a communist. Okay, great. Wonderful. What about all the hundreds of millions of bodies? Communism has left in its wake. 60 million, well, at least in the Soviet union by itself. You know, and they're just, oh, well, you know, well, that wasn't true communism. Well, just like if you ask Christian, what about, you know, oh, I don't know, the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, et cetera, et cetera, the Salem Witch Trials. Well, that was a perverted form of the word of God. It wasn't the real word of God. Oh, oh okay. So how do you protect yourself from getting caught up in the wrong type of communism, the wrong perverted word of God? And basically they just go, oh, you feel it. <laughs> And they say that they're, 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 oh my, their talking points are almost word for word exactly the same. Yeah. See, I mean, religious people say, I don't want this in the world because it's not of God, it's of Satan. Right. So that's their boogeyman. Okay, so that's their excuse for, for silencing people. That's, that's their rationalization for that. The rationalization for the people on the left is, well, why should we give racist the freedom to say what they want to say when they want to say racist shit. Why, why should we let people walk around waving a Nazi flag at some, you know, uh, gathering in their mind? It, it, well, that's wrong. So we got to get rid of it. It's okay to oppress them, but it's never okay to oppress the people who think it's okay to oppress the other people. That's <laughs> no, everything I say, you have to, you have to tolerate is, man, tolerance, tolerance. It's a long way of saying I understand exactly everything you're saying. It's just a really long way. It's a long three-page definition in Webster's of totalitarian. Absolutely. That's it. That's all you that that's the only word necessary here when you deem someone unworthy of a basic human right of free speech because you've deemed them I don't know, evil. You are a totalitarian. You are Jim Jones sentencing someone to a glass of Kool-Aid. You are in that ball field now. 
You are Westboro Baptist Church standing across from some funeral holding a sign that says God hates fags. You have deemed, you have judged because you have found yourself, you have imagined yourself at a pulpit preaching the holy word of truth to everyone else. That is totalitarian. Do you know what the root word of totalitarianism is? Total. You have the total truth. You have total authority. Your word is to, is the totality of right. That's it. I mean, we can, we can sit here and we can explain it. We can define it, describe it. But it doesn't need anything else. You can use maybe use authoritarianism. You can use totalitarianism. You can use all sorts of words. Dictatorship. You're dictating right. It's the root word of dictator. You're dictating. You know, I've, I've put it out there to people. I said, have you ever put to the test your little crew? I won't call them a cult because that automatically it puts that person on defense. And I don't want them on defense. I'm usually having this conversation. I go, have you ever really put them to the test? Well, what do you mean? Is, is there like any type of thought or ideal that is just taken as we all feel this way? but you don't feel that way. And have you ever spoken up and have you ever seen the reaction you're going to get? And most of the time the answer is no, I just, I just avoid that subject with, with them. And I'm like, why? If this is such a tolerant and accepting group that you're a part of, isn't there room to disagree? I mean, ultimately, as long as you're not trying to deprive someone of their life, of their rights, you don't have to agree with them. When you start trying to impose upon other people, that's where the problems begin. And it seems like you're being imposed upon and you're afraid to speak up because when you do it in religion, what happens? The religion splinter. There's a reason we have first and Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists wanted to still own slaves. First Baptists were abolitionists. Yeah, so the Baptist church split. Yeah. So they, they split Lutherans and Catholics. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and if this is such a righteous and good way, and it is the way, you know, capital T, capital W, oh, yeah. then you wouldn't splinter. You would accept that, hey, look, you know, there's people in our group who don't think that, I don't know, I, uh, pick something, I don't know. They, they, don't think, they don't believe in universal health care. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's not because they're against it from a standpoint of, I want poor people to die. It's, we can't afford to do it right now. It's, it's cost prohibitive. Right. They have reasons for it. But I've had friends come up to me and go, yeah, man, I said the wrong. I said, you know, I, I thought I was a progressive guy, but I said, I believe in the second amendment. And I got thrown out of like, like my little group that I was on on Facebook. I, they, they, they threw me out and banned me. You know, they were like, oh, you're, so you're for dead children. You sick fuck. What's wrong with you? Nazi. Nice tolerance. Yeah, I'm like, I just supposed to be tolerant. Well, and, and what you get is this is this is the, this is a, 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 a retort from them that you get. There's no point in tolerating intolerance. <laughs> that's and I'm the most like, ridiculous. Punch like, them in the face and walk away. <laughs> it is the most ridiculous. Parse that sentence. <laughs> Seriously, parse that sentence for me. You have to tolerate everything but intolerance. So, so you can't you, tolerate yourself. Yeah, that's okay. So you should go hang yourself. This is like this is like the, this is the logical <laughs> equivalent 
<laughs> of crossing lines on a, on a battery when you're trying to jump your car and watching the battery explode in your face. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. You cannot tolerate yourself, so therefore, if you believe that line of horseshit, rhetorical fuckery, you are on the path to suicide because you are making yourself miserable. You're not going to be able to tolerate yourself within a week. Find the nearest bridge, jump. Yeah. That's one of the things that keeps me from being a joiner for a lot of these things. Like, I just, mm-mm. the minute I, I sense that in a, in, a, in a group or a situation, I'm just like, eh, I just put my hand over my wallet and back away slowly. <laughs> yeah. You know? Cause yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> anytime, anytime someone asks me for money and they invoke the name of God, I do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's, I, I can't deal with it. And, I, and here's the thing. I have a right not to deal with it. I go out in day-to-day life, and I got I to gotta put up with shit that I don't like. But when I come home and I shut my front door, you ain't got a right to come in my fucking house and try to fucking shove this shit down my throat. Yeah. I don't go to your house and try to shove this shit down your throat. The problem is these people can't turn it off. Well, it and that's constant. you're nailing something on the head, though, that is one of the primary themes of the Lule book. Because a lot of people, I think, come from the perspective that the objective of these political cults, these groups, these religions, however you want to look at it, is they think they're coming from the position where they're trying to create wise and rational men, right? That's how they see their work, right? The the problem with this is that the intention of the groupthink, the propaganda, is not to create wise, rational men. It's the creation of proselytes, militants, is to create people who are so inundated and flooded with ideological ejaculate inside of their skulls that they are basic, they're militants going out into the public preaching the word, trying to convert everyone. And those that can't be converted will be identified as enemies, enemies and infidels. This is why they won't shut the fuck up. This is why you've got mobs of people spitting on... Hmm, Mobs of people in Portland marching and beating up these <laughs> conservative propagandists. Yeah, all right, uh, but also walking into restaurants, spitting on politicians, showing up at news anchors' houses, terrorizing their wives. These are militants now, and that's what they're being conditioned for. They're not being conditioned to think. They're not being conditioned for anything but action. The whole point of propaganda is not just control of the opinion. It's also to create people who are primed for action. Create soldiers. Exactly. Yeah, and when you, what do you do with a soldier? You tear them down and you build them up how you want them. That's what boot camp's for. And that's what, it, it's, it's, believe me, most of the people I've seen that are part of these groups I'm talking about, they wouldn't last a week in boot camp. But it's a mental boot camp. You know, in, in, that, in, in, the, in, the, in the, the outline you sent me, you know, one of the things that rings true is to tear down the self, to get rid of self and fill it up with what the group tells you or whatever, yeah. who, whoever's yeah. in control. The leader tells you to it's think. Fucking creepy. Isn't so, it? You know, and if, you, if you've ever read Malcolm X's autobiography, he made a point when he was with the nation of Islam that before he would start to speak on, on a point, he would say the honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us. 
he was always saying the words of Elijah Muhammad. He was literally his mouthpiece because he was a charismatic guy who could put people under a spell with his ability to, to talk. And he could also hit the nerves of people to get them riled up in the way that it was good for the nation of Islam, whether it be to piss certain people off or to rally other people to the cause. Mm-hmm. When he left the nation of Islam, he made a point of saying, every time I spoke, I spoke the words of Elijah Muhammad. I was not speaking my own thoughts. Essentially, he came out and said, I was brainwashed. I was told what to say. Now I'm going to speak my own thoughts. And what happened? Nation of Islam killed him for it. Right. Well, they can't have that. Right. He, he's an ideological heretic. And that is, that is where we are at with these hardline people who, you know, are case in point, there was a video of a guy was fishing. He had his license. He had everything legal. A group of kids come up. Now, this guy's probably about 50 that's fishing, him and, him and his buddy. And this group of kids, maybe uh, if one of them were older than 25, I'd, I'd eat my shorts. But they come up, and they just opened up the cooler and grabbed the fish and threw them back in the, in the water and said, stop killing animals for food. And we're filming it. And then started, like, yelling at them and berating them. And Luckily, they didn't catch an ass whooping. Oh, no, because they all had their cameras out. And they were like, don't touch us. Don't touch us. And he's like, that wasn't your property. You committed a crime, you, you just, you, I mean, granted, it's a small crime, but you committed a crime and you just record yourself committing a crime. Now you're daring me to call the cops on you and you're yelling at the same time, don't touch us. See, this is the problem. If, if you're going to talk shit, you better be able to take the hit. That's why I got a problem with people who are like, they, they, they talk a mile of shit and they run their mouth. But then when it comes down to brass tacks and they, they fucked with the wrong one, the one who's like, okay, time for talk is over. That's your ass, motherfucker. All right? And they go, wait a minute, I'm a pacifist. If you hit me, it's not like, right now, I'm not going to fight back. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm not. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're going to run into someone who's finally going to go, I ain't afraid of jail. Because by the time you're getting out of the hospital, they're going to give you the Joe Pesci speech. By the time you're getting out of the hospital, I'll be getting out of jail. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come visit you to the hospital and crack your fucking skull again. Because I don't give a fuck about jail. You run into a real badass, that's what you're going to run into. They were lucky they ran into 50-year-old men who were just, like, more in shock at what had just happened. And were like, are you serious? You just came over and threw our fish that we caught back into the fucking lake? Are you serious right now? You pull that shit some of the states that I go to for work, that's, that might be your ass. Try pulling that shit in the Ozarks. See what happens. You try pulling that shit anywhere between the coasts, outside of Ann Arbor, perhaps, or somewhere like that. Where did that happen? Well, what Did it say? I cannot remember. To be completely honest with you, I don't know. I'd love the, to one know. Of the, one of the comments on the video, I can try to dig the video up on Facebook. It, it, it was on, face, of course, Facebook when I took it down by now, but one of the comments was, why, if they feel so strongly about not killing animals for food, why didn't they go up to a bunch of hunters with guns and do that? Exactly. Yeah, your, your activism proves nothing. You didn't really risk anything. You, you, you went and picked on a middle-aged guy with his fishing pole. <laughs> go take on a deer hunter. Elk hunter. It's the same as these PETA people who, like, go to supermarkets and block off the, the, the milk aisle because not your mother, not your milk. And if someone tries to go get a gallon of milk, they'll, they'll basically shove them out of the way and be like, no, not your mother, not your milk. And it's like, like, you think you're doing something? That's a joke. That is a joke. What have you accomplished? Who's, 
it goes back to, you're not trying to change minds. You just want attention at that point. Something's wrong with you. I don't know if your parents didn't hug you or that you never had a dog as a child, something, something. What eventually happens at the end of all these videos, the cops are called or security is called. They hustle them out of the store and people go back to buying the fucking gallons of milk. In the end, what did you change? Nothing. But you felt good. And that's the, by the, the way, that, that was Florida. Florida. What part of Florida? Clearwater. For what it's worth, the, the asshole was fined $500 for throwing a dying fish back into the water. <laughs> good. Clearwater. So I would have liked to have seen what would have happened had he done that up around, say, Destin. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somewhere in the panhandle, right? A little north of Tallahassee. Go up to Dothan, Alabama and do that. That's just over the line. Yeah. Watch what happens to you. See if you got the balls to do that. See, this is, there's, there's, there's a couple. Anywhere of, in Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a couple of different lines to this, a couple of different tracks to take with this that I think are important because first thought that I had is there's going to be, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. There, the backlash to this is going to be brutal. The boomerang is going to be the size of the Sears Tower when it hits. I don't even think it's begun yet. I think maybe we're seeing indications of it. But this is not going to work well for you in the long run. This is going to work well inside of your little stupid echo chambers and inside of your church walls. But if you think this is going to get you the cultural results that you want moving forward, you're fucking crazy. You're fucking nuts. Because when the elections happen, and you're looking at, again, four more years of Trump and then both the House and the Senate in Republican hands because you can't get out of your own fucking way. You can't stop sniffing your own farts. <sighs> what do you think is going to happen? How do you think another four years of that is going to look? I honestly 100% believe this, that politics is secondary now. The policy and hearing what you're going to do about health care and all this other shit, I think is secondary to this cultural crap that you were just talking about. I think people understand that. I think people in this country, the ones that haven't totally zinified themselves and rejected the national narrative, the national myth, that still feel something about at least the theoretical American values, they see that. They see what you are. Even if you don't, even if you can't see it, you are the worst judge of your own position on this scale. You don't matter. Your perception of your own position doesn't matter in this case. Other people can see it, and they know what it is, and they see it, and they're going to recoil from it, even if it puts them into the arms of the most vile human fucking being they can find, because that is a better alternative than you. It's you. That's the only thing that explains Trump. The, the, the simple test I give to a lot of people is, especially people who go around attacking anyone with an opposing viewpoint, like viciously attacking, be it social media or even in person, is I go, okay, now let me ask you a question. Do you think that you just created more anti-Trump people, or do you think you just solidified people for Trump? Maybe even swayed some people because they're like, look at this fucking, this is the idiot that wants me to vote for that candidate. Exactly. Fuck this idiot. Exactly. I'm going to go vote for Trump. Here they go. I don't care. And I'm like, so you just admitted you don't care about Trump. 
heck, you want Trump in the White House so you can demonize people because that is what you are truly looking to do. Exactly. You're getting off on the dopamine rush of attacking people. It's not you the, pussy. It's not the attacking people. It's the self-righteousness. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yes. You are a crusader. I said last week's Unregimented. It's about telling people what to do. You're, it's, it's not even about that. It's about feeling like you're doing something, like you're on the side of right. You're on God's side. You are God's warrior. That's where the dopamine rush, I think, comes from. It's, it's in that outline. Go look at the self-justification shit in that outline, Rich. That's, that's uh, a lot of where that comes from. And what else did you just say? There was another huge point that I wanted to make. Uh, the dopamine. God damn it, I lost it. The rush. Okay, yeah. It's, it, again, it's you're right. It's not about the politics. And there's another huge aspect in this book that I haven't gotten to yet because I cannot figure out how to get my head around this. And it's the different kinds of propaganda. <laughs> when you start studying this, you start learning how fucking sophisticated it is. There are different kinds of propaganda. There are vertical and horizontal types of propaganda. There is rational and irrational propaganda. And there's also the propaganda of, I know I've got this wrong, but inclusion, like indoctrination propaganda, accept the system, and its flip side, agitation propaganda. That's what we're immersed in, the propaganda of agitation that's what you use on other countries when you're trying to destabilize them. You agitate the society against itself. You destabilize belief in the government itself and in each other. You demonize the, the different factions, or the factions demonize each other. This is the propaganda of revolution. This is what happens. This is what Castro did to Batista. But this is the propaganda that unleashes hatred. This is the propaganda that and, demonizes. And, and, you know, something I'm starting to learn is that the people that are aware of this, because there are people who are aware that this is propaganda, it is simply there to divide and antagonize. And they don't care because they want, on some level, to tear the system down. They just don't have the balls to do it the way the founding fathers did. So they'll take this pussy chicken shit backdoor way of doing it. And they'll think that there's some sort of, you know, freedom fighter. You just look at them and go, okay, so you never are going to tear down something without replacing it. Cause it's going to leave a vacuum if you do. And anybody can step into that vacuum and all hell could break loose. So what are you going to replace it with? And almost to a person it's, I don't know, but it's gotta be better than this. Right. I'm sorry, man. I, if you give me a plan to get from point A to point B and it makes sense and it's laid out and there's a destination, there's a point where we have reached our goal, you might get me on your side. I want you to, I want you to think about if, something. I, hold on for a second. I want to suggest something to you. And I want you to break it down for me. I want you to tear it to shreds if you can. Both of you. Okay? If agitation propaganda is the goal, if that's the method being used, and I don't see, because of what it does, it, it, how, hmm, I, I've got to collect a lot of things here. Agitation propaganda is meant to destabilize, right? Once you're uh -huh. destabilized, the government's putting out fires and it can't function efficiently, right? Then it's ripe for revolution, right? 
the hatreds that are unleashed. That's another thing that has to be, you have to, you have to tread very, very carefully when you unleash those kinds of things. Because you can't control it. Once it's gone, once it's started, you don't control it. It takes on a life of its own. The ape is out of the fucking jungle and it's crushing cars. It's doing whatever the fucking ape does. The whole veneer of civilization, that's the scraping off of the veneer of civilization. That's what hatred does. That's the unwiring that Chris talked about uh, last month. And you cannot fucking control that. And that's what's being unleashed now. Okay. My question is this. Let's travel back about five years. What was the, the whole rage? What, what's the whole blame game for why we have Trump? I'm, I swear I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just, it, it really would depend on who you ask. I mean, Social media interference. Oh, okay, okay, in that aspect. All right, all right, all right. Right? I thought you meant why, why Trump got into race in the first place. Sorry. Nah, fuck, who cares? Fuck, I don't right. know. We can jerk off on that for another hour probably and never get nearby <laughs> that's, it. <laughs> but, that's why I said that, that, could, that, could, be a, that yeah. could be a long discussion. <laughs> My question is this. if they, that Most people, everybody who has anything decent to say, anybody with a brain involved in the intelligence community, understands that social media influence uh, interference has been going on since at least... 2014. They were talking about it in 2016 when Obama was. Remember, there exactly. was right in December, Obama put a whole bunch of sanctions on Russia. Yeah. And it had to do with election interference. Exactly. So, my question to you is this If you're looking to destabilize a country, what better way to fucking do it? Basically, you have got a key to everybody's front pocket sitting in front of you. Right here at, this, at, at your computer terminal. You can reach everybody's front pocket in this country via, that, via social media. So what if, what, you're right, what is the point here? And what's the plan? What if the plan is just simple destabilization? What if the plan is destabilization with no plan? Well, They've got buckle it. Buckle up. Yeah. And we're eating it the fuck up. And I'm telling you, man, I, 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 again, this sounds... This isn't even conspiracy theory. I have heard this put forth for three years now, that the goal is destabilization. That if Putin is really behind everything they say he is, that he's playing both sides to pit both sides against each other to destabilize the population, destabilize the political process, to handicap the country in inner turmoil, inner strife, so he can have a freer reign throughout the world because we can't get our shit together. This reeks I mean, we've, shown, we've shown we're easily duped. I'm telling you, this book, this fucking book, is fucking terrifying in that regard because this is written in 1965. This is before social media. This guy was coming from a place of television, of radio, of fucking newspapers. And I'm talking like Walter fucking Cronkite, Chet Huntley and David Brinkley shit, network stuff. And he's writing about the need for propaganda. He's, he's writing about how we become addicted to it, how we cannot live without it. That once it's taken away, a, sen a sense of anime sets in. Anime meaning meaningless, lack of purpose. We don't know what the fuck to do to ourselves because we've tied our identity to it. And when the propaganda vanishes, our souls are essentially ripped out from inside of us. We know that subconsciously, so we will protect it at all costs. Anything that gets close to it, like you were talking about with your brother earlier, you can't reach the reasoned mind because it's being protected. It's behind this fucking elephant. 
because it's protecting the core, it's protecting the, the, the worldview and who these people think they are. They're coming from a position of religious self-righteousness. They have to protect that. And once you get there, once you can trigger that, you have proselytes, you have militants who will target. You can direct them to target and attack anybody you want to. That's the whole point. It's to create people who are willing to act, eager to act on any prompting whatsoever without knowing it. They think that they're the ones that are generating all this. They think that they're the ones that are coming up with all these ideas and these opinions and these, these, these thoughts, these political thoughts, but they're not. They don't know what the fuck they think. They haven't known what the fuck they thought since before they got involved in their politics. They're robots. Remote-controlled robots. And if you're dealing with, with bilateral bilateral uh, systems of agitation propaganda, where the fuck is that taking you? Divided. It's civil war? Is that the, did, did I, I don't know. The right answer? Look, I've, I've talked about this winter is coming shit for a long time. This is putting a... a, 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 a <laughs> I don't... I don't know what to do with that. I, I, this is why I haven't been able to get a podcast done this week. Because everything is there, man. All of the elements are there. And, and honestly... If you were being propagandized in this day and age, would you even know it? Would you be able to tell it if you saw it? If somebody pointed it out to you, would you recognize it? Or would you just think, well, that's just news. Well, this is what we got. Because we're so fucking awash in it. Do you know the fucking difference between propaganda and something that is even relatively objective and not trying to convince you of anything? Not trying to guide your opinion? Do you even know where to get it? I told you, I think it was last night, and if it wasn't, it was the last time we talked before. Two places I go if I just want the news without a spin or propaganda or bullshit opinions. AP and Reuters, that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, I go to Reuters. And, and surprisingly, USA Today. My dad used to call it Mick Paper, but God damn it, that means it's objective. Yeah, the thing you got to keep in mind, too, I think this is really important, is that people misinterpret what propaganda is. A lot of people think it's just big, bold lies, right? Tall tales, like, you know, Trump. <laughs> he engages in the horseshit, irrational propaganda, the lie crap, because he can. His base will eat it up. That's not what effective propaganda is, though. Goebbels, you know, Hitler's guy, was adamant about the fact that you do not tell lies in your propaganda. It's far more effective if you use the truth, use facts, spun properly and cleverly to guide opinion and lead people to the desired action. In fact, he, he demanded his people did not lie in their propaganda because once that's discovered... The people you're trying to reach, the actual ones who are in, un, maybe undecided or teetering on uh, joining your cause, following you into action, you're going to alienate them because they're going to be able to see the lie, right? 
there has to be elements of truth in really good propaganda. So if you watch Rachel Meadow, she's not lying to you. She's putting together, she's putting forth the the rational propaganda, the stuff that's well-researched and reasoned and everything. That's not the problem. The problem is where she's psychologically taking you with it. That's what makes it propaganda. Does that make sense? I mean, did that? Yes. I know it makes sense, but does is that something that changes your conception of what you thought it was? It did me. Thinking about it on a deep level like that, yeah. The shit is incredibly complex and incredibly sophisticated. No and one is immune. No, no one. No one. No, no. Thank you for pointing that out. That's incredibly important. The only people who are immune to propaganda are those who do not consume it. Do you like your phone? Do you like being able to watch TV? Do you like social media to keep in touch with people? This is a really important point that I was going to wrap up the, uh, the, the, the podcast I tried to do last night. Was that it, ultimately when you realize that it's a choice. You have a choice whether or not to consume this shit, whether or not to be inundated in it. Ultimately, it is the people. It's really easy, really fucking easy to blame the bad guy, the propagandist here. But in this day and age, in an age where we have free will, it is a choice to consume this stuff. Do you turn the news on? Do you open Facebook? Do you go read Twitter? Is it worth it to you? Even if you know the propaganda is coming through your television set, is it worth it to you to have the television set on to watch commercial TV? Because you like it. If that's the case, you have made a choice to consume it. And once you understand that nobody is immune to this shit, <laughs> the, 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 right here. That's where the responsibility lies once you understand that. Now, if you don't understand any of this, you know, there's, I guess, some, some glorious sense of uh, innocence there. And you can be forgiven. But once you understand that, then it's you, man. You are responsible for the maintenance of your own mind. Nobody else. If you're sitting here listening to this going, that's not me. I'm smart enough. No, you're not. You have a brain. You have a subconscious. That is actually, I would say that's probably what I, I know it sounds like the Alcoholics Anonymous thing. Oh, you're just in denial. I think you're in denial. If you're saying that, you haven't thought about it. I've absolutely, I, I, I mean, I've been fucking around on the internet, trolling, involved in some, some pretty big troll jobs over the years, going for about 20 years now. And I have friends that have been doing it even longer. And every once in a blue moon, we still get sucked in by somebody else trolling us. You know what I'm saying? Like we fall for the bait. And when, and when we start talking about it, we start laughing at it and go, how the fuck did we fall for that? And the same thing. I say this every time. I'm like, cause we got too cocky about the shit. We thought, Oh, see that coming from a mile away. Get the fuck out of here. Someone trolled us softer than we're used to. They didn't come in guns a blazing. Cause that's easy to spot. Yeah. When the propaganda comes in like a fucking wrecking ball to your face, and if you can't spot it at that point, you're pretty much just a fucking lost cause. It's when it works its way in through the back door. And that's one of the things that it makes it hard for me to enjoy a lot of things I used to enjoy because I see it all over the place. 
movies, television. Mm-hmm. That's social problems, sociological even, propaganda. That's another aspect of this. Yeah, and I'm not talking subtext. Subtle is something that is hardly done anymore in, in entertainment. Yeah. I mean, it is right in your face. I call it will you know, and gracification. I hate to say this. Is that the show about the straight chick in love with the gay guy? It's about uh, the straight chick and the two, the gay couple. This is Will and Grace was like the show that basically normalized gay couples to the country. Came on the oh. air, I guess, in the late '90s. It did. It did so much to rightfully. And this is another aspect. This is another thing you got to keep in mind. Propaganda is neither good nor bad. <laughs> it's yeah, gonna it twist. Just it. is. It's gonna it's, twist your fucking you noodle. Do with it. Exactly. It's gonna twist your fucking noodle, man. This is not easy. This is really fucking complex shit, and it has philosophical implications to no end. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. What it is, is mind-fucking. One way or another. It's robbing people of their intellectual autonomy. It's robbing people of their ability to critically think. It's separating people from their opinion and public opinion putting a wedge between their own opinion, their own value system, their own judgment, and replacing it with public opinion. That's why I keep saying ejaculating into your skull. Do you know how easy it is? He, he keeps coming back to this. It's incredibly easy through propaganda to get people to act against their value system. It's like Moonbeam. This friend of mine that I keep mentioning, right? A fucking pacifist. Uh, uh, just She is a very soft, innocent, pacifist-type person. She's now posting memes on her Facebook page of a woman holding a severed man's head in her hand. <laughs> that is not her. Ugh. But it is now. How many, people do, how many other people do you... We just call it being radicalized. How many people do you know who you never would have thought would have been radicalized? Quite a few. I have friends, I have family from all over the political spectrum that in the last three years, four years maybe, since 2015, since, like, who's going who's gonna to secede? Oh, or, oh, sorry, getting a little tired. <clears throat> who's going to take over for Obama? Here, I'm, I'm not even going to try to say that fucking two-cent word on my one-cent vocabulary. I've, see, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people, Christians, you know, in my family who, you know, know violence is wrong and, and, and be more Christ-like and less Christian and, you know, this and that. And boy, they're indoctrinated now and they're like, you know, they think they're fighting some sort of war. And it's the same on the people on the left. When you thought of the left, you thought of like, you know, peace, love, all this shit. No, not anymore. These are the people who were not preaching anymore. they were t- completely against all war during the George Bush administration. Mm-hmm. All violence. Right. And now they, they, they call people to act violently. And if you don't, you're considered an enemy to them. It really is a, a cult mindset that these people adapt. And I'm not, I mean, I, I chuckled when you said what you said about Moonbeam, but I wasn't finding it. It wasn't a chuckle because I found it funny as a chuckle because I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard people rationalize to me. People who are for banning guns but want to keep their guns 
so they can take out the the wrong people who think the wrong way when the time comes. We're crossing the jumper cables again, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, are you serious? But you can't tell them. And you cannot. This is one of the most important things that, that you got to remember. You can't tell these people. They will never see it. You can't get into the cult and save them. You're going to end up dead on the tarmac, just like the dude at Jonestown. No, absolutely. You can't save them. They can't see it. Where I take a little bit of solace is this. I think Chris called it the, what is it, the frustrated majority? The exhausted majority. The exhausted majority. That was it. Okay. I take solace in the fact that as of right now, those numbers are greater than the zealots on the, on the wings of this, you know, edge of sanity with their, their, their bullshit. And yeah, I don't want four more years of Trump. Not a fan of the man, okay? Period. End of story. But I'm not seeing everything that's been put up, everybody that's put up to run against him, the crazies come in and do their best to tear down because they're not woke enough. They're not drenched in our ideology enough. I've just kind of come to like, I know how people in the middle are. I know how they think. Why? Because I'm kind of one of them. You know, 10 years ago, I'd have considered myself a very progressive liberal person. I still do. I, but I've been told by people who are now considered very progressive and liberal that I'm not liberal or progressive. That I'm a dirty, filthy centrist. Yeah. Or I'm a Nazi who likes to smoke weed and have sex, so I'm a libertarian. <laughs> so I'm not welcome to their party anymore. Well, good riddance. You know, I didn't show myself the door. They showed me exactly. the door. You didn't, you didn't leave them. They left you. That's exactly how I feel about it. Because I think you and I are probably having the same experience here in different ways. But I don't feel like I left the liberal mindset. I think the, the mainstream liberal mindset has left me. One of the tells of that is every time I bring up something to one of these people that has been considered a liberal idea for you know, as far back as I can remember, they go, that's not, that's not a real liberal idea. It's not liberal. That's, there is no liberal in this country. And I'm like, what <laughs> yeah. the fuck do you, what do, what do you, what do you want? You just want cradle to grave the, the, everything for free. I don't know. Is, is that what's liberal to you? Because yeah. free, there's nothing, nothing's more expensive in the world than free homeboy. The, there's the, no free lunches. You're speaking to a communist, a communist or a pseudo communist. That's not even democratic socialism. That's beyond that. That's beyond European socialism. And one thing I wanted to, I, I, I got to thinking about where you were saying that, though. I don't know that this is true. And I, I, I told you last night that I, a lot of this makes me really uncomfortable when I think about it when I'm reading this book because I know I've been here. I mean, it's real easy. Like, we can all think of other people, <laughs> right, that, that these, these words and these, these descriptions uh, describe really well. My problem is is that I see myself in a lot of this over the last 10 years. Increasingly more since Sarah Palin shit herself onto the political scene. That was my trigger. And that's, that's the ideological drift and the drift toward extremism that sort of peaked right around the uh, right around Trump's nomination the, the next couple of months after that until uh, I extracted myself. But I see myself in a lot of that. I know, I know that feeling when the defense mechanism kicks in, like the, the bullshit phalanx 
just has to fire and cut each interloper in half before they get too close to the identity. The brain shuts the fuck down. You're in primal combat at that point. You're not thinking, you're not reasoning. You're just there to rhetorically destroy someone at all costs. You're not having a debate or discourse. You're protecting. And you're, and you're showing off for the crowd, too. Plus, you've got the crowd's support, so there's groupthink involved. There goes a little more of your rational mind out the fucking window. You turn into a performance artist at the same time. I see myself in a lot of this shit. And one of the things that, that troubles me about this is something else that I saw is that you got to be careful because if you reject, like if you see the bullshit in, in your team's propaganda and you reject it, there's going to be a need for it. There's going to be a need for a replacement for that. And remember, we're, not all, we're all not immune to this. None of us are immune to it. And if you're not careful, you're going to passionately adopt the enemy's propaganda. Because, well, you can't trust that side. <laughs> they fooled me. I'm going to join these guys. And then you'll, you'll dig in even deeper on the other side. Because these guys are inauthentic. You see what I mean? You, you personally have, have found scorn within them. You personally. You see what I'm saying? This is where I, I, I have to be really careful of this. I know I do. I feel myself doing it. I don't know what to think yeah. of that. I don't know what to think of that. Well, that's the difference between you and most people. You, you're at least conscious of it. It's Well, <laughs> well yeah. thank God. I, 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 yeah, it's only because I fucking decided to read this shit. I wouldn't have known that. You and I, Rich, well, I, that's, I, I, that's, what, that's that message that I sent you the other night. You and I got to be careful. Because I think we're, again, I'm not going to speak for you. And if I'm wrong, feel free to passionately correct me. Tell me I'm full of shit. But I think we're coming from a very similar experience here. And I think that you and I have to be careful not to overcorrect. You're, I, yes. I've had this, these thoughts for about the last six months. It would be so easy for me just to give in. And just go over to the right politically. Yeah. Because whether or not it's genuine and it, and it stays this way, they're a lot more welcoming <laughs> of different ideas than the people that I have traditionally aligned myself with. And it feels like if I did that, it's like giving in to like my baser. Yeah, Self. but you but it would be easy once you let go. Can you can you conceptualize that? Like you just give in, you shut your brain off. Oh God, it'd be so great. Can you imagine the fucking podcasts we could do? I mean, that's, I could just sit here and, and, and spout talking points that other people have put in my head and not have to think. That and you you've also you, it's not only they're not only open to to more ideas on the right, they like us. We have all sorts of fodder we could use from the left, don't we? I mean, this is dangerous shit, man. I mean, it's really cool that we can talk about it, that we can actually like express it, articulate it. Most people can't. Most people aren't that fucking insightful or introspective. Well, maybe they are now. Hi there, listener. <laughs> I really feel like what it is is that I don't want to go to the right 
I can't go back to the left because I'm not welcome. So what I'm doing is I'm holding two ropes and trying not to let go of either of them. And, and, and at the same time, walk a very fine line. And it's tiresome. And I, I don't get this so much from the right, except for the, the very religious right, the people in my life that are very religious and are on the right. They try to actively recruit me. And there's a handful of people in my life on the left who are like, you're just confused. You know, Wait, hold on. Just... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we need some levity here, man. <laughs> like, you know, you, you know, you just, you're, you're, you're having a, a crisis, a crisis of faith for lack of a better way to put it. It's okay. We all go through this. It's all right. And I'm just like, <laughs> Sorry. Just keep going. Just keep I'm, going. Just, I'm just like, I, I can't, it is. It is a full-time job to try to stay that self-aware. And Jesus Christ, hurry up 2020 where they open up marijuana shops in every corner so I can just eat like 500 milligrams of THC <laughs> and just rip my fucking ego to shreds and just fall into a, a, a oblivion for about 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> because nothing helps anymore. Like It helps to talk about this stuff with like-minded people. But here's the problem. Most people I, that want to talk about it are trying to recruit me or get me to right. agree or, right. or worse, to change how I think. Right. I'm trying to encourage you to find out what that is, if anything. That's all of you, man. Everybody that's listening to this fucking podcast right now, eventually I'm going to send you back to John Stuart Mill. Because that is the best thing that I have found to detach your fucking brain from the dialectic. To You know, he, he equates in this book, but some people think that, like, well, if you're in a dual propaganda society, the two propagandas, you know, sort of balance each other out and no damage is done. And he equates it psychologically to a boxer being hit in the jaw from the left and then being hit from the jaw on the right. Is he any less groggy after the second blow on the other side of his fucking head? The key here, if you can't pull the electrical plug out of the fucking wall and live in a cabin up in Montana... So you're not being inundated. We, we talked a couple episodes ago, the first episode tonight, we talked about data overload and not being able to sort everything out so you give the fuck up, right? The key here is to disconnect, to monitor your intake, like you guys were just talking about with the news sources, but also don't take too fucking much of it because you can't process it. And the second part of the disconnection is to psychologically disconnect, emotionally Disconnect. Kill the fucking elephant or at least put him in chains for a little while. So you are not personally identified. You do not have a dog in the ideological fight. Either way. And then try to be able to pick and choose. Take a little bit from here. Take a little bit from here. And that's where John Stuart Mill's On Liberty is a Bible. Otherwise, you're fucking helpless, man. If you don't monitor this, if you don't monitor your intake... And you don't monitor every piece of fucking information every single fucking day. You are helpless. This is this is where AA. <laughs> I'm a propagandy, and I'm powerless against it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Good times, huh? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Is a motherfucker. There it is. (sighs) 
<laughs> I like the mix of that. Oh, Christ. Again, I feel like I just fucked you two. Edge <laughs> made it weird. Again. <laughs> Hasn't been weird all night, huh? Now, this has been good, guys. Thank you for doing this. I Like I said, you can understand, I think, why. Uh, for the last week or so, I've been having a really, really hard time putting all this together because this didn't even get into the... <laughs> the addiction aspect of it. It did a little bit. But there's like one section. I sent you that one outline this week. There are four more. Alienation. It talks about the intellectual autonomy thing, you know, that we talk about. He calls it alienation from yourself. There's a whole fucking section on it. And it's just, I don't know what to do with it. And uh, you guys are kind of giving me a, a little bit of a roadmap here. So... Thank you. And one other thing that I want to point out before we go, and this is just, this is my end of this. And I don't know if I said this in the other two podcasts or not, but there is no sausage party hope coming, boys and girls. There's no solution in that book. And that's one of the, one of the reasons, one of the things that I like about him is he's not saying, and here's what you gotta do. He's French. He's like, fuck you. Here's your problem. Fucking, yeah, I, don't, I don't fucking deal in solutions. Here's the fucking problem. Voulez-vous fuck you? <laughs> right? But there's no Sausage Party hope coming here. Because this book of his was written in 1965. And we are 45, 44 years past that. Or no, 54 years. How fucking ever far past? 54 years past that. Imagine how much worse it is now. With technology and the, the connectivity and everything else. The trick, I think, as best I can tell, from what I've read from him, is like I said, I'm going to repeat what I just said. It's disconnecting, both physically disconnecting from the torrent, the, the propaganda stream, and, and psychologically, emotionally disconnecting from all of it. Do not take an interest. Do not take a personal interest in any of this shit. And for the love of fuck, do not activize yourself. You're being played. You're being played like a goddamn fiddle. And it's up to you. Once you understand that, once you realize that, you motherfucker are responsible for the maintenance of your own fucking mind. No one else. No one else is to blame but you once you understand that. Don't blame me. Don't blame CNN. Don't blame Fox News. Blame your fucking hand for turning it on. Slap it. Bad hand. Bad hand. That's kind of what I do now when I open up Twitter. I start reading. I go no, no, no. And I just I go on to something else. I will say this real quick. Um, it's a, it wasn't necessarily advice, but you made a comment about sending the herd on Twitter for you. So I basically unfollowed on Facebook people who just post incessantly, nonstop political shit. And I have a much better time on Facebook now oh, because here's the deal. The only time I see political shit is from a people I don't know or B if it's posted like on a page that, you know, like they'll post something political and then within 10 minutes, there's a hundred comments going, what the fuck does this have to do with being a fan of MLB, the show, right? 
you know, and it gets taken down. And even, even I, I figured this out. This is just me. I don't know if this might work for other people. If you find yourself getting tired of the political bullshit as we meet near the 2020 election from friends and family, just unfollow them. You don't have to unfriend them. They won't know you unfollow them. Yeah. You want to see what they post, you go to their page. You have exactly. to actively seek it out. Yes. Okay. And I find this. I have no problem reading retarded political opinions from people I don't know. It's when I know the people and I'm like, oh, come on, you're not this dumb, are you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? People who post like, you know, crazy ass conspiracy theories or, you know, like, the best one is when, oh, God help me, I have, I have family that do this a lot. They post stuff from The Onion thinking it's real. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God. It, when I don't see it, I have a much better day, you know, much, much better time on Facebook. I actually look at shit that makes me laugh, you know, like I did when I first got on. Cause when I first got on in, in 2008, I barely heard anybody's politics. And that was probably just because there was way less users and I hadn't connected with as many people in my life as, you know, in, in the first six months on Facebook, I think I had like 20 friends for six months. So it was easier to, to, to not see it, but man, 2008 election, 2012 election, and we know we know what's happened since then. The floodgates have opened, so just give it a try, folks. Just give it a try. You might you might you might like what you find. I've been in a much better place since I've only really started using Facebook for the Messenger. Although we did learn tonight, Uncle Zuck's watching. <laughs> <laughs> He's always watching, even yeah, in your private messages, kids. Yeah, and we're not joking. We're not saying this as ha-ha, funny, funny. Uh, I went to go send something, and Facebook, in real time, as I went to go post it, blocked it and threatened to ban or not suspend, but, yeah, ban my account. In the Messenger, kids. In Messenger. Not yeah. on his wall. In the Messenger. So if you're ever under the delusion that what you're sharing in Messenger is only being seen by you and the person or people in the group, yeah. Well, you can drop that <laughs> fantasy right now. Yeah. Fuck the Zuck. Fuck the Zucker <laughs> beast. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just really waiting until how long until their ability, because, you know, they can just turn on your, your microphone and listen. I'm just wondering how long until you can be banned on Facebook for something you say off of Facebook. <laughs> Yeah. That's been overheard by your cell phone in your pocket. Now, I think you know what I think is going to happen with Facebook. I think they're going to be a they're going to become a victim of themselves. I already get the sense that people are moving away from it now. You know, and I, I think as soon as, as they start getting a little too creepy with their monitoring of like your your messenger banning people and shit for shit they post, I think people are just going to sort of atrophy away from it. I'd like to see where it's going to be in ten years. God help us if we're only left with Twitter. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know it's not reality. I know that very a very small percentage of the population actually posts to Twitter, but Jesus Christ, it, it is it's like the human id zoo. Makes me ashamed to be a fucking human being. <sighs> yeah, so yeah, basically we knocked out a week tonight, boys. Nice job. Hi. Here's another South Park drop you need. Need them going? Nice. Nice. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I'm going to actually, I'll do that. I'll do that for next week. Screw you guys, uh, I'm going home. Escapingthecave.com is the website. You can also find my luxuriously wholesome Twitter feed at 
Disc at ATC Pod on Twitter. Also, make sure you check out ChristopherMedia.net for all your favorite podcasts, including Sporgy, which stands for Sports Orgy. <laughs> And unregimented. When your orgies are too regimented. Unregimented. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm tired and I'm loopy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Let's do again soon, huh? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Till next time. So long.